you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. It's Wednesday, February 14th, and you are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. That is the voice of today's special guest, a man whose faith in the playoff power of the Kansas City Chiefs never wavered. And he could, once again, say, I told you so. He won't, because he's a gentleman, but he could, because he was right, and the he is Bucky Brooks. Welcome back to the pod, Buck. Man, thanks for having me on. I'm your host, NFL Network senior writer Andrew Levy. Uh, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. And before we start today's show, I want to give you the latest as we know it. Sitting here at 2.08 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, that there was a shooting during the Chiefs' victory parade today. At least 10 people were injured. At least one person was killed. At least two people are in custody. You can check, of course, your preferred news source for more. But it's important to know that this news for us is recent as we record this show, and our hearts are heavy with the knowledge that yet another moment, another gathering, another precious human life was interrupted by the insanity of gunfire. The Kansas City Fire Department confirmed that a shooting had occurred close to Union Station in the city and referred to a, quote, fluid situation, end quote, that, according to local media, police and first responders were seen rushing to the area. Bucky and I saw a video just before sitting down that appeared to show one of the shooters tackled by a few brave people in the crowd. I am pleased to know that our reporters Sherry Burris and James Palmer, who were covering the parade for NFL Network, were evacuated safely, apparently after hiding under the stage that was set mm. up for their broadcast. Please look after yourselves and each other today. Uh, let's keep that mindfulness going forward every day. Bucky, the parade up until that terrible moment was unseasonably warm, but now seasonally celebratory for the kingdom. Chance of three-peat punctuating the air. Chiefs fans probably glad to see that soon-to-be free agent Chris Jones was leading those chants. Maybe that's a sign he's staying. We shall see about that. Travis Kelsey treated us to a rendition of Garth Brooks' Friends in Low Places, rewritten to honor the Chiefs and dig the Niners one last time. And while we may remember that tomorrow, I'm guessing Travis won't. I'm no expert, but I think it's safe to say that Mr. Kelsey was overserved. In a moment of considerably higher sobriety, Kelsey addressed his sideline Super Bowl bump of Chiefs head coach Andy Reid on the New Heights podcast with his brother Jason and said this. You cross the line. I think we can I, both I, agree I, on I that. Can't, I, can't, I can't get that fired up to the point where I'm bumping coach and it's getting him off balance and stuff. When he, when he stumbled, I was just like, Oh shit, my head. Or I, even, like, I mean, even, it. I mean, let's be honest. The, the yelling in his face too is over the top. I think there's better ways to handle this retrospectively. Yeah. I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm a passionate guy. I love coach Reed. Coach Reed knows how much I'd love to play for him, how much I love to be, you know, a product of his coaching career i'm not playing for anybody else but big red if he calls it quits this year I'm, I'm out there with him man he ain't calling it quits come on now he's not and i um i got a certain relationship with him he's he's checked me a few times and 
Um, I just wanted to let him know that I wanted this thing and that he he can put it on me. And uh, and I got him. And, um, you know, it just uh, it came in a moment where uh, we weren't playing very well. I wasn't playing very well. And we had uh, we had to get some going. And uh, sometimes emotions ramped up. Sometimes those emotions get away from me, man. Okay, Bucky, you heard Travis Kelsey, what he had to say. When you saw that moment on Sunday, where did your mind go? Um, my mind didn't go anywhere crazy. I thought that it was a, a case of a heated player, a very emotional player, uh, trying to get the attention of his coach. Boy, Travis Kelsey got right into the ear of Andy Reid on the sideline and actually bumped the head coach, and then, and then Andy had to pull at him. Uh, I think a lot of times when we're on the outside looking in at these interactions that take place on the sideline, you kind of have to understand the nature of the game. When you are playing a sport where everyone is basically pitted as gladiators in the arena, you're going to see heightened emotions. You're going to see scaled-down versions of violence. And so you have to kind of understand that's kind of the nature of the environment. I will say to his credit, Andy Reid has always dealt with, like, highly emotional, highly charged players. And he is one of the best of the business at handling those personalities. Uh, I thought his comments after the game where he talked about not having an issue with Travis. Travis just basically was a frustrated player who wanted the ball. I think it was telling because he knew exactly who he was coaching. He knows exactly who the player is. And so he was able to kind of take the conversation without making it personal. I'm sure he doesn't want Travis to handle himself like that. But I think in the heat of the moment, sometimes you're going to have some of those heightened, emotionally charged conversations. And as a coach, as long as you know that it's coming from a good place from the player, you're able to quickly move past. And to put a finer point on a good place, as you just said, you said something earlier today I overheard you say, it's easier for a coach to handle this when you are dealing with somebody who is acting out of love for the game. You also said it is easier to tell a player whoa than it is to tell a player giddy up. Can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, so so much of the conversation that we'll get to over the next few weeks as we get to the combine uh, – do you love the game? The guys that are coming into the league, do they love the game? You want to be prepping to your organization that love the game of football, that are passionate about it, they're passionate about their performance, they're passionate about the team's performance. Uh, when you're Andy Reid, the Chiefs have been very successful taking on guys who are deemed to be character risk. But there are two types of character um, that teams review. There's moral character. Can you separate right from wrong? Can you do the right things uh, as a law-abiding citizen and those things? And then there's what we call football character. Football character consists of uh, your football intelligence, your work ethic, how much you're willing to devote to the game. Are you willing to put and pour everything into yourself to get the most out of your talents as it comes to the craft? When you have guys who have great football character, but their moral character can be sketched, Andy Reid has been able to appeal to them by saying the things that you love, the game, they're in jeopardy if you don't get yourself right in terms of making good decisions away from the game. So Travis Kelsey, who may have had some character concerns coming in, he's been able to appeal to Travis by saying, hey, man, you love the game. We can figure out that middle ground to make sure that as a player, we're going to get everything out of you. And because there's a relationship, a true relationship between coach and player, he understood where Travis is coming from. And that comes from years of building trust. He trusts Travis and trusts that Travis's intentions were pure, and so that's why he can move beyond it because you didn't see him react in that. But go back early in the playoffs, Travis had an interaction where he slammed a helmet, and Andy came over and was like, 
Relax, down. young fella. Yeah, because the equipment guy was trying to give him the helmet. He was like, hold, calm down. Let me talk to him for a minute. And so that's the thing. He knows what you're dealing with. And you can have some players like that. You can't have a team full of players like that. Yeah. But you can have a team with a couple of guys that kind of their engine runs hot when it comes to game day. And you kind of heard uh, Travis intimate in that bite that, you know, you wouldn't F with, with Andy Reid. Does that, as a player, when you have a coach who has a certain kind of physical stature, um, is it different than a guy who feels like a little bit more of a pencil pusher, maybe somebody who hadn't played no, the game? No, I, I think what Travis is speaking to is the amount of respect that he has for Andy. And yeah. so um, I think the best way to talk about the game is when you play the game and like Super Bowl Sunday is the, the, the fastest and most violent that the game will ever be for a player because every time you go up in importance in terms of the game, significance, the, the, the physicality, the urgency, all of that escalates. And so Super Bowl is the fastest, most violent game that they'll play. So to get ready for that, you literally have to prepare yourself like you're the gladiator in the arena and sometimes it's hard for those guys to dial it back just because they walk off the field they then can't become like the normal person yeah. that person that you build up to be that superhero that yes. you build up to yes. to play the game at the level uh, it's hard to dial it back and it takes them a while to come down because even after the game ended Travis on stage Travis was still at level 10 without or 11 a without a doubt people have to understand like to get yourself worked up to play that game the way that you have to play it Sometimes the, the gladiator person, persona comes out. I mean, even the motif, the gladiator motif, I know you're choosing that just as a metaphor, but gladiator, that's life and death. And I should think that the, the top NFL players at the top of their emotional play, sort of red play, line probably feels it. that way. Life yeah, you and have death. to play like that. So I, I choose the metaphor, the gladiator thing directly because I have this, this vision of like the movie and Russell Crowe and all of that other stuff and just kind of being in the Coliseum. But that's what it feels like. And you kind of have to put on that that armor and that mask to be able to do it at the level that you do it and that's why guys have such a tough time coming down after games because you, you go to that emotional place where you go to you hear people refer to that dark side because sometimes you have to be equipped with that dark personality it brings out the dark personality that you have inside and it's different so we saw travis i would say maybe at his worst because we saw his most emotional self Travis Kelsey called what he did, quote, totally unacceptable. You heard him. But, Bucky, there's a sense that some teams can metabolize confrontation better than others. This is a team that seems to work well with inner conflict, the occasional inner mm -hmm. conflict, and certainly the constant outside doubts. Would you call the Chiefs worthy winners of the Super Bowl? Uh, I would call them wor worthy winners, not only because of their performance, but all the things that they endured along the journey. Uh, this was a team that uh, struggled finding – and identity. They're a team that has gone from, in the last two years, gone from being an area circus where everyone raved about their offense to being a team that really was led by a stingy defense and a very efficient um, offense that, that just kind of operate in a ball control sense that took a backseat to what was a stellar defense. It can be difficult. Uh, I would say that what you talk about, the confrontation, to me is – Andy Reid has created an environment where people hold each other accountable. And sometimes to hold people accountable, uh, you have to have those uncomfortable confrontations, those hard dis discussions to get everybody on the right page. But if everyone is coming from a place of love, if everyone's coming from a place where the team is first, you're going to have those things and get past it. If you're not 
all coming from uh, that place. If you have individual agendas that put maybe the team secondary to what your own personal agenda is, then it becomes dicey to have those conversations because you don't know where those conversations are stemming from. We talked a few times this year, and some of your colleagues agreed. I'm curious to know where you netted out on this, but that the best team was the Ravens, that the best roster may have been the 49ers, Mm -hmm. but the best coach and the best quarterback tandem well, that's in Kansas City. Andy Reid, a future Hall of Fame coach, and Patrick Mahomes certainly now a future Hall of Fame quarterback. You cannot underestimate or overstate how important that battery, well, battery in baseball, of course, is, is pitcher and catcher, but that battery, we can call it in the NFL, of coach and quarterback tandem. If you have that, you can have Lombardi's, even if you don't have all the other stuff. Yeah, you. Th- that's a great foundation to be a championship squad. When you have a an elite level quarterback, an elite coach, that gives you a chance because the coach sets the vision for the team. The quarterback um, is the captain of the team, and he's the most important player because he touches the ball on every play. And what he does with the ball typically determines whether you win or lose given the impact of the turnover battle. You also have to have like a defense, and they had like a top 10 defense, a defense that was dominant throughout the postseason, did a great job. They haven't got enough conversation enough credit for the the job that they did with a difficult San Francisco offense. But, yeah, you have gold jacket caliber quarterback, gold jacket caliber head coach. You're always going to be in the conversation as a title contender. I had a quick peek ahead, uh, looking ahead in the script of life, at the 2024 opponents for the Chiefs. Ravens are on their schedule. Bengals are on their schedule. So, too, the Texans, the suddenly fascinating Houston Texans. They're playing away. Uh, at the Bills. We don't know when, but they're on the road to face the Bills, and they're also on the road to face the 49ers in a Super Bowl rematch. Those, I'm just throwing your way, listener, because they're fascinating matchups to circle when we do finally get the schedule. What would you say is the biggest obstacle for this Chiefs team to a three-peat? If we hear echoing in our ears the chants at today's parade, three-peat, 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 okay, one, it's never been done in NFL history. Think about that, listener. All the great teams that you can think of, those great 49ers, teams, Mm -hmm. those great Cowboys teams, and yes, even those great Patriots teams and the great Steelers teams from back in the 70s, this has never been done. Okay, Uh, what's the biggest obstacle? Is it the fact that it's never been done and it's super hard, or is it a little bit more of a nuanced answer than that? Uh, It's a nuanced answer, but the number one thing that they have to overcome is complacency. The hardest thing to do is to maintain your level of success. The climb to the top is a lot easier than staying at the top. The reason why is once you have well, it's thin air. You need oxygen. Yeah, up there. you need oxygen. And once you have, once you have a level of success, now everyone is clamoring for credit. Right. And so when you when you 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 vying for credit and making sure I get mine, I get recognized for my contributions to the team and the legacy and those things, then you begin to have fractures where selfishness can uh, come into play. Selfishness not only in terms of credit, but now. I'm part of a team. My role was I was responsible for X, Y, and Z. I want to get paid. Yes. In a salary cap era, you can't pay everybody. So what you have to figure out, if you're Andy Reid, you're Patrick Mahomes, because Patrick Mahomes will have to spirit the effort. Who's willing to make the sacrifices for this team to be constructed where we can continue to be at this level each and every year? That's the challenge is making sure that everyone stays humble and hungry to accomplish more stuff free agent list there are 12 chiefs headed for free agency 
None of the big names appear on the offensive side of the ball, mm -hmm. all on the defensive side of the ball. Chris Jones, of course, which I mentioned earlier, uh, Drew Tranquil in that linebacker's unit, and, of course, Legereus Sneed, whose numbers this season were mm -hmm. something something like remarkable, astonishing. He's only given up four touchdowns in his entire career. He gave up exactly zero during the regular season. The only one I saw him give up in the playoffs was that crazy backdoor slider that Josh Allen threw on the run. Mm -hmm. um, these are all players that they will want to keep. They cannot keep them all. It certainly defies what we understand as, as the market. But are you suggesting that it's incumbent upon some of these guys mm -hmm. to be willing to take less to be part of a championship team a little less not i mean reasonable discount not anything that's crazy i would say the priority in order would be chris jones then Jerry sneed okay everybody else can fall in chris jones because interior defensive linemen are simply that rare uh at that high a level it's hard to find them it's he is more irreplaceable than Legereus sneed uh he is uh like he is hard to replace and so we think about the foundation of building a house your defensive line is your bedrock. The better the foundation, the easier it is for uh, the ceiling and all this stuff to operate. It's easier to impact the game from the front as opposed to in the back. So I have Chris Jones being a, a multiple-time all-pro player, a guy that gets double-digit sacks on the regular, a guy that can bounce all over the place to ex create and exploit mismatches. I want to make sure I get him done. The Kansas City Chiefs have done such a great job over the past two years bringing in a bunch of young corners. They did that in anticipation of one of their veteran corners departing. So I've had all these young guys, Joshua Williams and Trent McDuffie and others. Remember, Trent McDuffie's also playing at an all-pro level. Yes. You jettison, you allow, you bid adieu to the Jerry Smith, you thank him for his contributions. You have one of your young guys who's played, elevate him to the second spot. You re-sign Chris Jones because Chris Jones is an impactful player inside and outside. To me, if you have to pick between the two, you always go big over little. Okay, if you're Legereus Sneed's agent, where would you like to see him end up? you got a team out there that is – I mean, look, there isn't a single NFL team that wouldn't be desperate or wouldn't be glad to see somebody with Legereus Sneed's uh, stats and stature uh, walk through the door. But if you're picking, where, where are you sending him? Oh, I think he goes to the Philadelphia Eagles because they need more man-to-man uh, -man corners, more guys that can go on the edges. Legereus Sneed would be a great fit there i think if you're the um you're looking at you can't see that you're looking at him you're like hey man we hate to lose you but we're okay we're gonna keep developing these young guys we keep pouring resources into the young guys which they've had yep uh they can do it i think this team is well positioned to navigate the loss of an elite cornerback because some would say the system created the opportunities for him more so than him if jerry sneed does go to another team as you seem to indicate is likely or maybe even inevitable is there a part of a player that says to himself, you know what, I'm not going to another team in the AFC. I'm not going to do that to my Chiefs. I am going to go to a team in the NFC so that the next time I see them in a game of consequence will very likely be the Super Bowl uh, or a somewhat meaningless, small m in quotes, regular season game. Um is that no, on the mind? Is that like, is that does that weigh no, on the like mind if, of players if, in terms of their in terms of their loyalty to the team that bred them? Yeah, no, nah, I think their loyalty is as big as the check. And if like <laughs> now that they've allowed him to go all the way to the By the way, my term, laugh my laugh is no indictment or judgment of Legereus Sneed. I'd be exactly the same. I was just curious to know yeah, nah, if that's ever part nah, of the conversation. The, loy the loyalty is, is to the check first and foremost. Now, 
if it's a a tie, the tie goes to the runner. The tie goes to the home team. If it's a a, a small decrease from what they were, they were making or what is being offered, maybe you accept that because you have to spend all that back and moving expenses and all that other stuff, and maybe you value winning more. What you hope is the player doesn't take a radical cut. He takes a little tiny cut, just a little bit off, and then that is enough for you to be able to reallocate the money to keep what you need to keep. Um, but, yeah, the hometown discount, most guys aren't willing to do that. You are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. After the break, uh, Bucky Brooks will talk to us about one of the first ripple effects of Super Bowl 58, of any Super Bowl result, which is job security. Uh, winning teams have celebrations, overserved celebrations. I see you, number 87. Losing mm-hmm. teams, well, job security is on the line. And in the case of the Niners, we already have one casualty. We'll talk to you about who that is after the break on NFL Total Access, the podcast. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. Andrew Levy with Bucky Brooks. And Bucky, as I said before the break, and as you know very, very well, one of the first ripple effects of Super Bowl 58, job security. Niners defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes, who was relieved of his duties today. Relieved. Bucky, I find that word hilarious. It strikes me as funny. Relieved. I wonder who is more relieved, the Niners or Wilkes himself. Uh, A word on him, Bucky. This is a guy who led the Niners unit to third-ranked scoring defense (laughs) in the NFL status. Yards per game, total defense, he was eighth. Rushing yards per game, third. Sacks, seventh. Interceptions, first. Shanahan said it wasn't a good fit. Okay, uh, what is? Was Steve Wilkes the fall guy here, or is this a move that needed to happen? I'm going to be honest with you. Like, um, you informed me, so I'm getting this news real time. I didn't know that he had been relieved of his duties. And I'm going to say this, and um, it irks me to no end. So he may not have been a good fit for the San Francisco 49ers, as Kyle Shanahan articulated. However, the numbers that you bring up, you talk about team being first in interceptions, third in scoring defense. So the only thing that really matters in football, you have to understand the categories that matter. Turnovers, points a lot. That's the only thing that matters because those are the things that have the biggest impact on whether you lose, win or lose games. So first in interceptions, which means they were pretty good in taking the ball away. And then third? Third. Third in points. Third in scoring defense. Points allowed. To me, it's – look, man. It, Not it's, a lot of room to improve there. Not so if that's not a good fit, and then what in knowing, the hell is? Right, and not knowing exactly where they finished last year. I don't know if they were the number one defense last year, but if they were, it wasn't a huge drop-off in major categories. Correct. Um, I, I, look, I think, I think it's this. I think there, there's a level of desperation that now comes from the 49ers because they've lost two Super Bowls under Kyle Shanahan. They were the favorite going into this game. They fell short. The issue that took place – in terms of why they lost the Super Bowl, 
has little to do with the defense. The offense didn't show up. Uh, it's unfortunate that Wilkes will kind of bear the brunt of the team's shortcomings. But, hey, it, look, man, it's kind of like the, look, it's the life that we chose when we elected to be in football. But um, I don't know who they're going to get that is a better defensive coordinator than Steve Wilkes. I, I, I really don't. And, look, I know you're the San Francisco 49ers. You've been there. You want to kind of retool it and see if you can get back. But the odds suggest that the road for them is even more difficult than the road for the Kansas City Chiefs pulling off a three-peat. There have only been two teams. There have only been two teams that have been a runner-up the year before and come back and win it. The Dallas Cowboys in the 70s, the New England Patriots a few years ago when they lost to Philadelphia and came back the next year That's and right. won it. It is not, oh, we're going to roll the balls out and go and do it. So, look, I look forward to Kyle Shanahan embracing the challenge of getting it done. But I think he let go of a very, very good defensive coordinator. Niners are actually current favorites to win the Super Bowl next year, uh, the 2024 season, the 2025 Super Bowl, Super Bowl 59. Uh, take that for what it's worth because, as Bucky has reminded us, it's only been done twice before. It is historically, arithmetically, uh, probability-wise, it's uh, odds are against them hugely, even though the odds are with them, according to Vegas, to do it. Interesting tale of two DCs. Steve Spagnola's contract gets extended today. Steve mm -hmm. Wilkes' contract gets terminated today. Let's talk about free agents. Let's move off of the ripple effect of Super Bowl 58, and let's talk about a period of time that's going to affect the rosters in this league quite significantly in the days, weeks, and months to come. Let's talk about free agents. The free agent that jumps off the list, not on the 49ers or on the Kansas City Chiefs for me, is a Saquon Barkley. Number 26, Saquon Barkley, mm -hmm. New York Giants. Uh, it's Valentine's Day, so Bucky, do me a favor. Let's play matchmaker. Uh, let's make a perfect match for young Saquon Barkley, who I saw at the Super Bowl. I'm certain you did, too. Uh, shorter than I uh, thought, but there's a twinkle in his eye. There's a, an easy smile to his face, and, man, I certainly have enjoyed watching him play these years, whether it was in Penn State or in the NFL. A special kid, a special player. Mm -hmm. He does have that one major injury in his past, and mm -hmm. I think that may raise an eyebrow of concern or two in some front offices around the NFL, but Valentine's Day, make a love match. What's a perfect fit? Is it to stay in New York? Uh, no, let, let me preface this. I don't think he leaves New York because they have the ability to use the tag on him. So, like, they can keep him in the So fold. this may be a false premise question to false begin premise. with. Yeah, like, he, they can always retain him on the tag. That's the whole entire... Well, so shit, benefit, so much for that segment. No, so the entire benefit of drafting a running back high in the first round is you have seven years of control. You have the five years where you have the rookie contract, the fifth-year option, then you can use the tag in back-to-back -back years and keep them doing their prime. But let's just say that they elect not to do them. They just let them walk. I think the best place for him to go is somewhere where he can be appreciated and utilized the right way. To me, that would be the L.A. Chargers with Jim Harbaugh mm. coming in. Mm. The reason why is because Jim Harbaugh wants to make the game easy for the quarterback. And so rather than say, hey, Justin Herbert, we're going to throw it all over the yard, no, we're going to run the football. We're going to use the running game to create big play opportunities in the passing game. I can get a running back in Saquon Barkley who not only can impact it as a runner, but he also can give you some of the Christian McCaffrey thing in terms of catching the ball out the backfield and being a dynamic weapon. If Saquon Barkley comes over to the L.A. Chargers, it changes the way that you have to defense the Chargers. And now we'll just say as presently constructed, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams on the outside, 
Well, now you have to make a decision. Are we double teaming in the passing game or are we going to create another eight-man box where now I have one-on-one? So now Justin Herbert raises up and I got single coverage all over makes life very, very easy. So I, I think Saquon Barkley to the Chargers would be a no-brainer if mm, they were able to Saquon do Saquon Barkley to the Chargers. I love the sound of that. I love the look of that if I can sort of put it in my mind's eye. Listener, I think if you put it in your mind's eye, that sounds pretty damn good to me. I wonder if that sounds as good to you. You know, we talked about Legereus Sneed before the break. I'm wondering if the Chargers within that division would make a play to get him opposite Derwin James and then Saquon Barkley in the backfield to take a little pressure off of Justin Herbert. You've already made a commitment to him. Oh, God, here we go, Buck. Here we go once again, the off-season, preseason hype for a Los Angeles Chargers team, and, well, we'll see where it goes this time around. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. Andrew Levy with the in-house scout, talent, evaluator, Bucky Brooks. Uh, Before I let you go, real quickly, let's talk draft. The NFL draft uh, round one is Thursday, April 25th in Detroit, Michigan. I know that the Lions fans out there were hoping to continue to celebrate a Super Bowl win as they welcome the NFL world into their city for the draft. That's not the case, but, man, they sure have a lot to uh, to still be proud of out there in D-Town. So the draft, round one, is Thursday, April 25th. Now, a lot of attention, of course, is going to be on the quarterbacks. People have seen most quarterback rankings, Bucky, with Caleb Williams 1 and Drake May two you've got Caleb Williams one and Jaden Daniels two the question of course is why because I'm sure folks will want an explanation yeah this quarterback class is interesting this quarterback class had a lot of conversation around it for the last year Drake May and Caleb Williams have been tag team partners uh the entire process because everyone assumed that they would be the two that you talk about Jaden Daniels had an outstanding year won a Heisman Trophy did a great job at LSU under Brian Kelly who coaches hard um, I would say that if you objectively take off the name plays, take off the helmets, and just watch each of these guys play just last season, you would say that Drake May didn't perform to the level that these other guys did. I'm saying and fully acknowledge that Caleb Williams had a down year, but even in his disappointing year, he had outstanding production and performance. Uh, I'm looking at Jaden Daniels, just looking at a blind resume, watching him play. Uh, the few that could match what he did. Obviously, he won the Heisman Trophy, and just because you win the Heisman Trophy doesn't mean your game translates to the pros, but dynamic dual-threat playmaker, can spin it from the pocket, can make plays happen outside of the pocket, quick as a hiccup. The only thing that you really could knock on him initially is the slender frame. Drake May, the thing that you're holding on to is, man, prototypical dimensions, outstanding character kid, great intangibles, great arm talent, has the athleticism that you look at but hasn't put it all together. So the dilemma that you have as an evaluator is I can go on performance and production or I can go on the projection. 
The projection on Drake May is the prototypical tools could translate into elite performance as a pro. You just don't have that validated based on when you're looking at the tape. So if we judge it off of performance and production, those other guys get a nod over Drake May. So performance and production has Caleb Williams 1, Jaden Daniels 2 for you, Drake May 3. Who finishes out the top five? Who's 4 and who's 5 and why? Okay, so I would have Michael Penix at 4 and J.J. McCarthy as 5. And then I would put an asterisk after that and say just keep an eye on Bo Nix. Michael Penix is one of the best deep ball throwers that we've seen in some times. The way that he played at Washington in attack mode, down the field, throwing bombs over the top of the defense over and over and over. Uh, if the late Al Davis was alive, he would be his guy because the left-handed throwing motion, Ken Stabler dropping bombs out the sky yes, sir. for the Raiders and yesterday, Al Davis would be all over that. Uh, the issue that you have, four season in injuries during this time in college, uh, durability is a huge concern when it comes to it. When you have a quarterback that has been off injured, sometimes you mark them down. That's his issue. J.J. McCarthy is similar to Drake May in terms of all of this is projection. When you watched him, he only lost one game at Michigan, national title champion, played under Jim Harbaugh, a pro's pro in terms of a former NFL quarterback who has success, who also coached the game as a pro, knows how to develop quarterbacks because we saw the success that he had with Andrew Luck in college, what he did with Alex Smith, how he transformed Colin Kaepernick into the ultimate weapon. He has all of that. So he's seen that, but – we haven't seen visually him display that elite quarterback stuff, but you're gambling that the pedigree, the intangibles, and all that is going to lead to great. Okay, two more questions, then I've got to let you go. Question number one, Drake May, you said reflexively uh, with a smile on your face as you were counting it out on your fingers that uh, great character, high character. Are you saying that because he's a fellow Tar Heel, or are you saying that because you have firsthand knowledge that this really is a good dude? Uh, firsthand knowledge. One, I know his dad really well. His dad was a GA at Carolina when I was there, so I know the family. I know the pedigree and makeup. Two, after talking to him and talking to everyone around the program, they rubber stamp him. Great kid, loves the game, and all those other things. The issue that you have as an evaluator, so uh, there's this thing in the Atlanta analytics community where you don't like talking about quarterback wins. QB wins don't matter, this and that. However, he doesn't have a signature win over a notable opponent. Like maybe the best game that he had was Duke this year. Good win, Miami. Eh, good win, meaning for but he doesn't have that signature win where you can rubber stamp him and say, hey, man, this dude is, remember, the skill that we're using, we just watched Pat Mahomes, the Michael Jordan of the NFL, in essence, will his team to another Super Bowl yes. because of his own supreme talent, his yes. confidence, his swagger, the it factor. Drake May doesn't have any of those things on his resume to justify it. The coaches will say he has that and all that, but you don't have tangible evidence to do it. So right now, when we're talking about quarterbacks, Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, and then Drake May would be the order. Okay, last question, and I asked this question on behalf of everybody in Burgundy and Gold. Washington Commanders Nation, stand up. We have mm -hmm. the second pick in the draft. Mm -hmm. Caleb Williams very likely will go number one overall, leaving us with this this decision to make at two, Jaden Daniels or Drake May. If you are Adam Peters, if you are Dan Quinn, you know, if you are Josh Harris and this ownership group, are you responding to great metrics in production, mm -hmm. as Jaden Daniels has them, 
or great upside in projection, as Drake May has it. What 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 call are you making? If you're if you're choosing today, if we're if we jump ahead to April 25th and it's right now, if you're sliding the card across the table, whose name is on it? Oh, I think Drake May's name will be on the card, and here's here's why. Like, there's always scars from when you have bad things happen to you as an evaluator. So let's just think of it this way. You're Adam Peters. You make a major trade, major trade to go and get Jaden Daniels. I mean, Trey Lance. To tra- get Trey Lance, Lance, right. So now you go get the dual threat playmaker. You do it, it doesn't work out. Even though, like, you, you did the things you're like, oh, man, I just don't know. You you d- now, he did it for reasons he believed in. He, yeah, right. You, you, you believe in him. Now, that, that, that leaves scars. So now you have Adam Peters who's dealing with that. You have Dan Quinn who has – gone to a Super Bowl with a guy like Matt Ryan. Not saying that Drake May's not athletic, but remember, he went to the Super Bowl with a guy that could throw it all over the yard. Was, running wasn't a part of it. I want to be able to get it done this way and, and make it happen and all of that. And the X factor or the asterisk that also goes with the commanders, Drake May came right behind Sam Howell, a fellow Tar Heel at North Carolina. He was the backup to Sam Howell, Sam Howell's final season in Chapel Hill. If you're looking at this and you're trying to build the best quarterback room, can you construct a room where Sam Howell and Drake may help each other through this? Meaning maybe Sam Howell starts next year while Drake may is learning how to play the game because that's a role that he's already accustomed to with Sam Howell. Sam Howell departs. Now you hand it to Drake may. Is that in the conversation? Um, so there's some things in place for me that would make it um, very easy and appealing to take Drake May because Sam Howell has proven he can be a starting quarterback. Like, like or not, whether he's a high-end, elite quarterback, I don't know, but he's proven that he can be a starting, functional quarterback in this league. You now will have an opportunity to take a young guy, maybe redshirt him, and then allow him to become the quarterback in 2025. I want to thank today's very special guest, Bucky Brooks. Bucky, thanks for being here, bud. No, it was fun. And I want to invite the listener to join us again next time. I had promised you sounds of Super Bowl 58, uh, mic'd up sounds from Travis Kelsey, uh, perfectly sober on Sunday in Super Bowl 58, and from Patrick Mahomes too. That sound did not get here in time today, so I'm going to have to kick that can down the road again, but I promise to get it to you as soon as I can. That could come as early as Friday. We will also have one more look back at Super Bowl 58, the plays that mattered, the players that made it happen, and we will look a little bit more ahead at the draft, at the combine, at free agency. Oh, so much to talk about in the days to come. Till next time, take care of you, take care of your crew, and ciao for now. NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.